So why is it, maybe things will go in this trend, but pretty much there haven't been any adaptations of anything from Dungeons & Dragons, like at all. Well, that was part of it, it was a failure, is that this movie was a failure. It was very expensive, and it was resoundingly negative in terms of the uh, reply. Even the... um, Tracy yeah, Hickman, because it was pretty terrible. Right, Tracy Hickman, who was one of the authors, said that he thought that the animation wasn't as good as he hoped, which means he thought it was... Wait, Tracy Hickman is a dude? Yeah, really? Margaret Weiss what? and Tracy Hickman. Tracy Hickman is a guy, Margaret Weiss is a woman. Oh my god, I yeah, always women. believed that, that Tracy Hickman was, was a chick. That's, oh, really? Yes. Oh, I, I, I knew, learned about that ages ago. It, it says in the books like about that he's a guy... Yeah, but you read like their annotated editions and stuff, so I'm yeah, I'm sure well, you, you read a lot which, of the... by the way, makes you like I mean I don't even know how to how to measure that on the nerd scale. That's... No, listen, listen. We're talking about how nerd <laughs> I was for, and you don't want me to talk about Dark Sun. Talk about how much of a nerd I was for real Dark Sun stuff. But the thing is, like, like Jeremy's read like all the Star Wars books and all the Star Trek bro- books. No, I have not. No, but... I have not. Let's just start there. <laughs> I have not. not, not the just, only not just Star Wars books, books I've read is. A novelization of, of Empire Strikes Back, a novelization of The Phantom Menace, and that's it. I think you're wrong because I remember seeing more than one Star Wars book. There was a book that our mother got us that I tried reading and I thought it was terrible. It probably no, it was but by did Timothy you Zahn, and you I, did I read a lot it. of you did read a lot of Star Trek books though. That is true. Yeah, and you some, did, and the, the quality. The thing about those because they were all written by they were written by different people. The quality, you know. You know, a sort of difference between them is like ridiculous. There's some awful books and there's some really good books. Like there's some like ones with Q that are pretty good, but then there's some other books with who knows who, like Doctor Crusher or whatever, or you know Troy and Riker and their stupid romance that are awful and I hate them. So <laughs> like I like I don't know if you remember like if you remember the local library sold a lot of them. That's right. That's right. For like a like a a quarter or less each. So I got like a whole boatload of them, and I read many of them, and then I I tried reading some, and I said, okay, I'm going to keep these like, I think I got like 50, and I kept 15 or so. So I still have some, but I don't have most of them, because they were mostly kind of bad. But it's funny how that kind of works out. Now, I haven't gotten a new Star Trek one in a while, because I don't like them anymore. I kind of found that they went down in quality. But... Yes, oh, hold on, though. I want to I want to go back to the to the Margaret Weiss and Tracy Hickman thing because I I don't know if if Benji really followed what I was saying. Like, it's not just that you read like these Margaret Weiss and Tracy Hickman books. You read the annotated editions with like their their comments like yeah, footnoted well, at the bottom where they like talk about the process of writing these books, which which is <laughs> it probably is interesting. It, it is interesting. Is interesting. Yes. They talk about what they were thinking, yeah. How they like their plans. Do Do you how, think like their okay. you know, and how? And they're also talking about how when they read certain things, they're like, "Oh God, this sounds like we were like quoting from a Dungeons and Dragons source book." Like they said, they are a bunch of people dressed like rangers, and then so he writes in an annotation. What does that mean exactly? Yeah. <laughs> well, well, okay. So, so if you have to be honest, Jeremy, because like, okay, so my honest opinion of Ari Salvatore is this: it's it's. I, I actually really, it really just tapered off over, over time. 
I remember really loving it. I think a little bit had to do with my age because I was really excited to to be reading these like really fantastical worlds. And I started with Homeland, um, not Homeland the, the show, but Homeland the book about Drizzt Arden and his origins. That is um, the worst adaptation I've ever seen. <laughs> 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 nice. <laughs> You should put in 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 the in the video portion of this when you when you put this up. You should say like you should say like Homeland book show picture equals like Homeland <laughs> with Claire Danes and say worst adaptation ever. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so um no, but the, but, the, but the thing is, I remember, and I actually do still think that I might enjoy some of those. I really like Sojourn, actually the third the third part of that series. But anyway. What I think about Ari Salvatore is, I think there were parts where he had glimmers of, of, of real, some real talent and some insight. I remember thinking that. And I thought the Clara Quintet, remember, I thought three out of those five books were really good. Um, especially, um, especially three and five. I think yeah, the Chaos, I the Chaos, the Chaos Curse was like the fifth one. That was really good. It was the so second, dark. Yeah, yeah. Like the, or it was like the second and fourth one were just big battles. That's pretty much what they were. But the third and fifth were really good. And even Canical, the first one was good. Anyway. The point is, I think he sh- he had some really cool things. The cool things uh, in terms of how he talked about uh, magic and 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 all that in Clara Quintet, and just in, in general, I thought he had good things to say. But definitely, he was pretty much kind of like a regular pulp fiction um, comic book author when it came to a lot of things, because he just had to recycle things with Drist and Artemis right. and Trary and all these things. So I think he had talent. So where does Margaret Tr- Wise and Tracy Hickman? Where do they fall in that? Like, what well, what do you well, first think about of all, them? I've read all of the R.A. Salvatore books, including the more recent ones. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you with a little bit of spoilers. spoilers. Wait, that, new spoiler alert! New spoiler alert! Um, dum dum dum! Spoilers. So, in the new books, basically they take he's jumped forward enough in time that he's been able to kill off a lot of characters mm-hmm. and you know make things a lot you know more serious in a lot of ways. Basically, and everybody lives in a steampunk universe now. Well, it's basically very post-apocalyptic, <laughs> actually. In a lot of ways, like it's sort of like a po. It, it like most of the magic was destroyed. A lot of the gods were killed. There's a whole like mess of stuff. So, I actually read one of his one of his more recent books. Oh yeah, yeah. It was mainly about I think uh, uh, Artemis and Trary. Right. Um, and I I don't remember what it was called, but it was something about like Artemis and and. I forget who else was in it, but it it had to do with him like going back to like to like the village where he grew up and like reliving his childhood or something like that. What? Yeah, it was ring a bell. No, well, I'm I'm telling you this happened. <laughs> um, yeah, I always thought it was weird that it was there was a dude named Artemis. Artemis yeah. seems like a female name to me. Well, wasn't the go- wasn't it a goddess? But then again, so does Tracy. So you know, what do I know? <laughs> oh, there you go. All right, well, yeah. So what are you saying about his most recent novels? You're saying it was a little darker, and you think the quality was a little better? I think it is better. Because, to tell you the truth, one of his main failings is also that he has to repeat things. The other thing is, I think he's way too descriptive in his battle scenes. I guess oh, part of oh yes, much. his action scenes are terrible. They're they're so it's bad terrible. because. Because he just occasionally it's fine, but he puts it's one of those examples of putting way too much detail. Like I think George R. R. Martin is one of the best that I've read. Now you guys have read way more than I have, but I think we can agree that he's pretty fantastic with it. Um, um, in terms of writing fighting scenes, yeah, George R. R. Martin is very that's good. What I'm yeah, yeah, he's got a, he's up there. I mean, no one's as good as Gene Wolfe in anything ever, but you know. 
Um, <laughs> it's true. <laughs> it's but, true. But no, but what would you say? So, so with Margaret Wise and Tracy Hickman, what would you say about their about their their quality? And does that does that do you take that into account? Oh, the Ari Salvatore's thing, you know. Well, there's well, a lot of the thing is because some of the more recent ones were intentionally made to sort of push out these new modules for Forgotten Realms. There's a lot of stuff that's sort of shoved in there that mm-hmm. I didn't think was necessary because, in fact, I found it kind of confusing. But in general, I liked a lot of the stuff he was doing. Like, he had some interesting characters that were definitely... You're still talking about Ari Salvatore? Yeah. They were definitely, like, complex. Now, getting to the Margaret Weiss and Tracy Hickman stuff, it's interesting because I read an enormous amount of those books. And, I mean, I read all the ones they did, but I've also read a lot of the other ones. Because it was one of those things where they call it the open world, where they let other people write sort of not quite canonical stories based off of them. Mm-hmm. And the, it's funny, like, if you read back, like, the original stuff, there's still some quality stuff in there. It's just, it's also very raw. A lot of, there's a lot of issues with it. But even then, there's some actual things that are done that even some authors nowadays could learn from. Like, you know, like, there there's a point, they cut, there's a time difference between the first book and the second book. And, like, an entire adventure happens between them that we only hear about like sort of in references like that's kind of cool in the beginning of the second book that they basically show up and like yeah we got this powerful weapon and it's great and we're and it helped us bring the dwarves together and that's they're celebrating but we didn't see any of that they later on wrote a book which was called the law of the lost chronicles more recently where they kind of told a couple of these background stories that they hadn't told before which is kind of cool that they went back and did that but because of that, you could actually see how they definitely improved in their writing in general. Because these are ones that, like, the uh, the original Chronicles books came out in the 80s. And these new Lost Chronicle ones came out in the 2000s. So they were actually yeah. pretty good. So, and I mean, yeah. I thought that it's one of those things, like, there was there's differences in quality over time. And the thing, the thing is, the ones that they didn't write tend to be worse in general. Right and the ones that they actually came together and wrote, I found to be pretty good. Even now, I think a lot of it holds up. They had some interesting stuff with time travel and what does it mean to be to have like fate and stuff. There, they do have a lot of their religious stuff in there. Part of it is that, like you know, is um, Tracy Hickman was a Mormon or is a Mormon, I guess, and so he put a lot of his sort of religious aspect of it i i noticed that's kind of a that's kind of a theme in a lot of fantasy i i noticed and it, and it kind of makes sense uh like even Ari salvatore remember his whole thing what was the event in forgotten realms where the all the um all the gods came to um remember all the gods came down to to the earth like there was a whole thing yeah I don't oh know. yeah yeah there was some kind of whatever they called it cataclysm or something. yeah that's what it was no, and remember like the conversation I actually didn't. I mean, that's that. Yeah, Cataclysm was Dragonlance, but they, but Forgotten Realms also had something like that. Yeah, and I, I didn't really, I didn't really like it too much. I, I just didn't like the book I was reading, where the Ari Salvatore one, where that was taking place. But I remember, it was like the whole thing with with Drist, which I, which I think is cool. How he has like a journal entry before, almost like he has it before like every single chapter, right? Does he still do that? Not before every chapter, and they didn't even do it then. It was like, like before each like book of the book. You know how like, like right, right. things for a section 
So yeah, like, they divided up. That's how he did it. So I, I mean, like he would he would say things about like about like I don't even I don't even like the fact that gods are walking the earth. I preferred them to be far away or something like that. But there's one thing. There was one line that I always remember from the legacy, the that book, which I always really liked, which I thought just had a really nice ring to it. And he said, like, "This is my legacy. By the grace of the gods, I am not alone." And I was like, "That's that's really that's a really good line." I just thought about that. So like, Ari Salvatore had these little moments of that. But anyway, back to the religion thing. I mean, I guess it makes sense for, you know, a, a so much of troubles. The name of it was called Time of Troubles. I just just looked it up. So it's called the Time of Troubles, which is, you know, I guess descriptive, I suppose. Cataclysm was what they called it in Dragonlance, which is kind of, it's more of a horror name in some ways. But the thing is, like, with, I guess you don't mind if I spoil things for the Dragonlance series. That's fine. As long as but, you use the spoiler alert. Um, yeah, new spoiler, one. Spoiler, spoiler! So there's a whole thing where basically the... End of the of there's like a whole series, right? There was the original three, then there was another three that had to do with one of the characters, Raceland, trying to become a god, and is like time travel. That's already kind of a cool idea about a human trying to gain enough power to kill gods and become a god himself, and how it's ultimately a self defeating path because you end up being by yourself and essentially consuming yourself. That right. kind of that was sort of the idea there, and then there's sort of like a chaos thing that happened, where you know where they basically sort of indicated that the father of all the gods, like the real god that had created all the other ones, had been hidden and contained and broke free, and is really mad and wants to destroy everything, <laughs> which is kind of it's kind of a crazy thing from a religious perspective. The idea that the the, the one true god wants to ki- destroy everything. It's However, kind of, it is very mythologically based. You know, right, I mean? now they they do go back on that later and reveal that he was actually crazy, and he thought he was the real god, but wasn't. He was just a really powerful one. But was that what was that what, what was the name of the world? Was it Ravenwall? Was that what it was called? The, no, the, the Ravenwall, there, there was this there was this one thing that was like it was an offshoot of Dragonlance. Oh, it was an, there's another loft. That was a different world. Yeah, but there was one that was it was based off Dragonlance, but it was like the the, the, the dead world of Dragonlance, something like that. No, that Ravenloft was something else. you I know what you're talking about, but that was that was a different world. Like you know, the Dark Sun and Dragonlance and Forgotten Realms were all different worlds. Kryn was the name of the like the land, the planet of, of Dragonlance, I know, right? Yes, but anyway, my what I was going to say is like it, it, it ends up. The more recent ones, there's a whole thing about, like, t- like the Tachesis, the evil goddess, basically steals the entire world out of the timeline mm-hmm. so that she can become the only god and kind of manipulate people. And, it, and by doing that, it screws up the world tremendously. It's, it's kind of interesting from a kind of crazy perspective also, because it's such, like a, it's such a weird idea to imagine that somebody tries to move a, a, a like an entire world out of time, it's, a, it's sort of interesting from that perspective. So they, well, like, that, they like that's... to play around with these religious things, and I always like that. Well, it kind of reminds me, a whole movie, it reminds me of Apocalypse from X-Men, which probably leads us back to our topic, which is adaptations. Right. And that's been a rocky road for X-Men, I think. Yeah, it's so like... we have a new one that's going to be coming out eventually. 
you know, they just started, I think, doing principal photography on it. But it's it's like a sequel to First Class. Yes, right? Brian Singer returns from nice. directing the first two, and Brian Singer, you know, I don't think he's a perfect director, but yeah, I I, I, I definitely, I definitely, I definitely not been impressed with everything he's done, but the first two X Men films were just really good, especially X Two. I think part of it is that he, even though he doesn't didn't know X Men at all. He was able to understand it from the perspective of using a metaphor for gay people, and using that made sense as a metaphor, especially because the original metaphor was really just about teens who were disenfranchised in general. It was more of a racial thing. It was it yeah, was, it was racial, racial, I thought. It was right? Racial. I think it was yeah. more racial than teen. It was a little yes, exactly. So it was, but part of it was the idea that teens could, you know, identify with them as well. Because they started as teens, but it became more of like a racial thing too, with the differences, and it makes more sense, you know, in more modern times to do for uh, gay kids. I think it makes more sense, and you know, they even had like he had an explicit line in X Men Two. He said, "Have you just tried not being a mutant?" <laughs> like it's sort of like exactly what people have said to gay kids all the time, so. Yeah. Uh, you know, not mutants, but at least you hope not. <laughs> anyway, but the new movie is going to be called X-Men Days of Future Past, which is the name of a, another time travel-y thing, which is always going to be confusing. But theoretically, that means that Patrick Stewart and Ian McKellen are going to be in there some way. Right. So that's um, cool. Does it? It does, because they are going to be in it. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I would trust Jeremy on this sort of thing. Sam. <laughs> I mean, I mean, if they are, then they are. What What I remember from Days of Future Past, which is only vague recollections that I have from the X Men animated series, um, was that it had to do with time travel with like people coming from significantly far in the future, um, from a universe where like the sentinels are like killing all the mutants or something like that i don't know i don't remember all the details right so they had to fix the past so and they have to they have to fix the past exactly now, um and then like cable is in there somehow and he's well, from like a different point in the future cable. i don't think they're going to bring cable in probably not because remember this is just going to be one movie now yeah. they might consider trying to do a little bit of a, a sequel intentional thing i don't know it's a tough call because the first one did pretty well but it didn't do amazingly well, which means this movie won't be a sure thing. So it. I, I got to be honest. I was not so into. I I, I was not so into this most recent one. It, uh, once again, Jeremy, you and I talked about it. I think the end was pretty good. But I but and I like James McAvoy. He's obviously perfect as a young Xavier. But yeah, like, and, and actually, Fassbender, Kevin Bacon. Kevin Bacon was pretty good. Yeah. But well, Michael Fassbender was great. Yeah, Michael Fassbender is also always good. Um, um, but, but yeah, I, I agree. There were a lot of sort of. Problems, and I told you about how the movie itself was plagued by issues because how they were hurrying it out. Remember, because of the right issues, it felt like it. It felt like it, and it felt like it, also the other thing is it felt like it had the capability to be better. But I mean, well, it's the same thing with Spider-Man. They were pushing it out fast as they could so that they could keep the rights to keep making the movie. You know what they did right in this most recent Spider-Man? Man, Emma Stone never looked better. That she was <laughs> so fucking hot in that. It was amazing. It's amazing. Yeah, well, all they had to do was just have her in the movie, and then well, like your okay. Emma Stone award for for most adorable, well, for for well, most most Emma Stone like. That's right. I gave it to Emma Stone. Everyone, just shout out to Jeremy's uh, click clack uh, articles. Jeremy's. That's right. 
a fine well, click. He's a fine critic, and he does these uh, awards every year. For instance, some awards feature, or some awards include uh, the Emma Stone Award for most adorable, and then the Jude Law Award for being in the most movies for a year. <laughs> well, I called it the Jude Law Memorial Award. <laughs> Even though obviously he's not dead, but I called it the Jude Law Memorial Award for appearing in multiple films because. There was that year he was like in seven or something, which was like yeah. was a ridiculous. Number. And the winner last year, of course, was Joseph Gordon-Levitt, which is yeah, true. Now Channing Tatum was close. Like I said, if he had been in GI Joe, I would have given it to him, but that was pushed off to this year. Yeah. But the thing is, like, so what I was the thing about the, the Emma Stone thing is my original award was ironic because I called it the award for most improved adorableness. Or, and Think Emma Stone improved her adorableness. What I said, I showed a picture of her from one from the year before in AZA, and then the one from the, from the next year in Crazy Stupid Love. And I said, "Man, look at the look at look at how terrible she looked that back then." And well, super bad is even earlier, right? No, well, yeah, but that was that was years earlier. I, I so I showed a picture from AZA, and I said, "Oh, awful!" And here's one from from last year, and it's like, see, much better. It was a joke because she looked great also like the year before. It was, so, I decided just to say to hell with it. I'm just going to call it the Emma Stone Award for being Emma Stone. Anyway, I think I gave Mila Kunis the uh, runner-up award. Yeah, yeah. But so, you know, uh, um, X Men Lawrence would be a pretty good third. Runner-up. Yeah, it's hard to say. That. Yeah, and great as she fell, that was awesome. Well, uh, it's also great how she reacted to it. She's like, "Oh, you're just applauding because I fell, and it's embarrassing." Yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, um, so, so X-Men, it's always, it's always, it really is tough for me, like, with, um, with, with X-Men because, um, what's it called? It, it, it's, it's kind of like one of these things where it's like, X-Men, I personally, as, in terms of the mainstream comic series, you know, that's, that's my, that's my favorite, that's my ultimate favorite, it probably always will be, because it's always ripe for some good commentary, and I like some good commentary, Mm -hmm. but what, what, what I'll, I'll say is, do you think adaptations in particular should go the direction like the whole Game of Thrones direction. And I tend to be a proponent of that. What, because what, what direction is that? Meaning, turning these things into, obviously I, you want them to be quality, turning them into TV shows <laughs> where you can go on something like HBO, which has right, which is well, quality, I think is, is very useful for things, especially things that have a whole rich universe and, and, and world. You can do a lot Right, and before... it, does, like, it does seem like the trend in TV, there's obviously plenty of crap, and there's always going to be crap, but the trend in TV, I think there are a lot more fantastic shows on than there ever were before. Like quality cinematic shows. And I think that would, that would be smart. I, don't, I, don't, I can't predict the industry. I'm not like an industry insider. No, no. But All I right, feel so like... Three things. One, there are more shows than there ever have been. It's true. So there are both quality... More quality, but also more terrible. The most popular show in America is called Duck Dynasty. Although it only has about 8 million people an episode, it's just that more people watch that than anything else. It used to be that some shows could get 12 or 20 million an episode, like Friends or Seinfeld in its heyday. I've never seen an episode of Duck Dynasty. I don't know what it's about, and I don't care. (laughs) Some stupid reality show on TLC about... Duck calls? I don't know. <laughs> that whatever, is, whatever it's about, I don't know. I'm sure that's the top one. I whatever think there's a is. dog that laughs at you. 
I hope so. That would make it a lot better because at least it's referencing something. I I understand. But so that's the part one. Like I mean, there are things like there's this great show I've been watching called The Americans, which oh, is about which is just great. It takes about these KGB spies who are pretending to be Americans, like they're under deep cover in the early '80s, and they even have a family. They have two kids who don't know they're spies. And they basically grew up entirely in America. It's like a whole – it's really interesting because it's the idea of trying to take people from a legitimately terrible government. Like this was a very oppressive government. But sort of – but having – trying to have us empathize with people working against the U.S. And yeah. it's interesting because they don't have to be terrible people even if their government was kind of a, a, you know, terrible. But yeah. – so that's sort of the, – that's the second thing. The third thing is the the thing you have to keep in mind about TV stuff is that there's also a difference between rights. So, for example, there have been extended X-Men and Avengers things where they've integrated all the characters from the comic books because the rights for the movies are not the same as the rights for TV. They were negotiated separately. So Marvel was able to create like an Avengers show where they could bring in Wolverine and the Fantastic Four, and Spider-Man, and everybody to have, like, cameos and stuff. And those are actually some pretty good episodes. I don't know if you've seen any of them, but they're kind of fun. You know, you know the Iron Mans and Hulks and stuff, and they have some actual non-white characters and, you know, <laughs> female characters other than Black Widow. It's, you know, it's pretty good. So it's one of those things that was, you know, fun to watch. Yeah. But so what I'm saying is, like, it's a different kind of thing. They've already done like they are like I saw an extended X Men cartoon about like a Days of Future Past type of thing, which was essentially like a twelve or fifteen episodes about that with extended thing. So mm. there is a difference. Like some things I think can work. Like we've talked about before about how he, like Harry Potter and how in a lot of ways it probably would have worked better as a TV show. Yeah, yeah. Especially for those later books where they cut out so much that Mister Benji here didn't understand what the hell was happening. He well, yeah. read that I mean, it's not just that they cut out a lot of stuff, but Harry Potter, I think, would even really work as a TV show because a lot of the chapters are sort of written as almost like individual episodes. That's a good, that's a good point. That's a good point. And, 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 like, it's quality enough. Even though I'm not the biggest Harry Potter nerd in the world, I, I do really like it. And it's, it's, it, it's quality, and it's also rich in character and plot. And there's also, it's also rich in side plot. They could definitely do a lot with some of the the, the, the side plots, you yeah, know. I wouldn't mind expanding some things, having a good director, you know, good, you know, some good showrunners coming in there and making, you know, cleaning up some of the problems, making it a little bit more interesting in some ways, you know, tightening it up where it needed it to. I think that would be really cool to see. That that's interesting because do you think do you think that would work? First of all, would there have to be like a time frame? Like, it would it have to be like twenty years from now so there's enough of a demand for it? Do you think yeah, it would totally? It, Probably would have to be a while from now. I mean, it's one yeah. of the you know it's expensive to do a, a TV show. Well, not not just that, but also people think of Daniel Radcliffe as you know. Oh, yeah. I, mean, people... I mean, you'd have to sort of forget about him. Yeah. I mean, basically, like, it, could, it would be perfect if you could have Daniel Radcliffe playing the older version of, of, of himself, but have a different kid playing Harry Potter. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they, they've done that before in, in things like, like, um, yeah, yeah. I, I, that might be something cool. Um, and, um, 
Well, I don't know. Sam, Sam, do you think that that would be a good direction for any of these, any of these sort of like fantasy, sci-fi, comic book sort of things? You think that would be a good direction? Mister, what do you think about that? I mean, I think I think the TV show works very well when you have a story that's like sort of too big to tell in a movie, or too long, I should say, to tell in a movie because movies can only be so long mm-hmm. until you start. You know, I mean, unless you want to like make The Hobbit into three long movies like Peter Jackson is doing. Well, that sounds ridiculous. Which is ridiculous. It sounds ridiculous, and it is ridiculous. <laughs> um, but I, I think in a lot of cases, you know, movies work well, or at least I feel like there's a lot of, of books that have been made into, that have had good adaptations in movies. Not so much with, like, car- you know, like comic book characters or, or video games haven't really been made into movies yeah, you know it, that are that are so good. Um, it's, it's but true. but a lot of books do seem to work. It's true, but think about it this way. Let's look at just X Men. Like uh, it, what what th- made me think about this was you guys talking about Cable. Okay, one of the things about one of the things about something like X Men or a comic book series is spe- specifically X Men because there are a lot of characters. Is if you can if you can bring in that excitement. Of oh here's this character coming in and this sort of excitement over characters that that kind of only fantasy and sci-fi have in 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 a, in a really uh, in, a, in a really specific way um, you know more so than anything that's more realistic um, I, that if you can capture that excitement in a TV series that'd be great so imagine imagine this imagine you had that feeling you know just like how sin city was, was kind of felt like a comic book you had something that that felt like an x-men comic book or an x-men tv show or whatever or even the the good brian singer uh, versions of that and a new character comes in let's say like cable you know what i mean then you have oh, who who's this but new there, guy there was the thing, an x-men that, com- uh, tv show it was the x-men animated series no i know i you know and they basically did exactly that i i know i'm just i guess i guess i'm talking about i guess i'm talking about making it I always like things to be more like mature and real, realistic. You know, that's that's the main thing I always I look towards. You know, how can you make it? I, I really like the the crossover. I was even thinking about this last night. I really like crossovers, and I like the crossover between between you know realistic life and fantasy life. Like I, I really like that. And that's I think one of the reasons I gravitate towards Game of Thrones because that's exactly what it is. You know. And um, one of the things about Game of Thrones is what allows people to do is pick and choose characters. Oh, I love it when we see this character and this character, and you can choose favorites. And I think that's an exciting thing, and I think and I think people are hungry for that in a lot of ways. And I think you know going 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 in that direction, I think could be beneficial. Maybe not X Men in particular, you know. Though well, I would that love might to be support. why why people still remember the Batman animated series so well right. and so fondly because it was a fairly mature yeah. show. Yeah. And it did have basically everything that you're that you're describing, mm-hmm. you know, in the in a cartoon, mm-hmm. and a very sort of like, um, you know, stylized, like distinctive sort of look of a cartoon. But it was, but it was a serious and mature show in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, and it was it was just good, and it did have all that. You had your favorite characters, and like, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. you would some character would would show up in an episode, and you'd be like, oh yes, this is one of my one of the best ones because it's got this guy who's my favorite. You know, um, I mean, obviously the Joker, but like, there's a million other characters in Batman that uh, that don't all make it into the movies, right? right but you're able to tell a story, yeah. And I guess, yeah, you know, I guess keep it's going, going even with 
you know, you don't have to worry about the limitations of a movie's length. You could talk about all sorts of things. Right. You can experiment more. You can do a whole episode about the penguin, you know, or or about Mister Freeze or something, you yeah. know, like that you can't do in a movie. I, I agree, I agree, and that's and, and I guess sort of I guess what this is coming down to, and what it really is for me is more of, you know, just being the lover of fantasy and cyber or anything that's really you know fan related. Um, I I want to I guess get it infused with quality because these things have been attempted by network television and other shitty cable shows, but for the most part, what 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 the, the quality has gone into dramas. And it makes sense that the progression, you know, in, in terms of how the progression has been, obviously it's lower budget to just have something realistic and have just great actors and great storyline. I love that shit too. That's true. But, but I really, really want to see these because because the market's there, I think, and I think that there are that, yeah, that it could happen. I really think it could legitimately happen. I think, people, and I think the reception, I think reception could be good, and I think they're coming more and more. They're they're able to have the capability more and more so. So I actually, in a lot of ways, though I do love film in a lot of ways, I would like to see at least in th- these fields and these genres, I would like to see more of a transition into the sort of quality serial, you know, uh, show, you know, and I I think I think that would be that would be awesome. I know you. Well, might, it's a question it's, of whether there's whether there's enough of a demand for it to sustain something like that. 